Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. This book contains the harmony of the four evangelists according to Jerome, where for almost every page there are different designs and other forms almost infinite. Fine craftsmanship is all about you, but you might not notice it. Look more keenly at it and you will penetrate to the very shrine of art. You will make out intricacies so delicate, so subtle, so exact and compact, so full of knots and links, with colors so fresh and vivid that you might say that all of this was the work of an angel and not of a man. A quote from the 12th century writer Gerald of Wales in his Topographia Hibernica describing the great gospel book in Kildare, which many assume was describing the Book of Kells. Hello and welcome to Born of Wonder. I'm Katie Marquette, and on this podcast we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. I am back after a unplanned hiatus last week. I'm so sorry that I missed a week. Uh, I did hop on Instagram if you follow me there and updated and said, we are all very, very sick and (laughs) there was no way an episode was going to come out. I don't know what this terrible illness is that we all have had on and off, me, my husband, and the toddler, um, almost a month now, um, but multiple COVID negative tests, tested negative for the flu, for strep, for everything, but we all had fevers and um, it was just terrible. But I think we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, thank goodness. So um, just say a prayer for us that uh, the that is true because we are tired. We're tired of being sick. <laughs> it's one of those months where we had a, um, we, we actually made a list of just sort of all the chaos inducing things that had happened this month. And it was a long list. It, 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 when it rains, it pours around here. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to some, some healthier uh, good times ahead. So uh, this will be the last episode of season three. Um, which is very exciting because I'm excited to have a few weeks off um, from the podcast just to uh, do some pre-recording, do some some preparation that I have not had time to do. I'm also going to be catching up on my Patreon letters. I know I owe quite a few of you a letter and I want to take the time to to write to you and catch up on that. If you'd like to be a patron, uh, remember you can just follow the link in the show notes to become a patron of the podcast, $2 a month. Uh, it really does help a lot to pay for all the subscriptions you need to do a podcast, and it also helps me to um, have a coffee now and then. So uh, I really, really, really appreciate it. And I so appreciate also those of you who have emailed me Uh, Throughout the past few months, I feel like I have um, gotten to know a fair number of listeners um, in in a deeper way this season, and I just really, really appreciate your feedback, and I hope that you will always feel free to write me and send ideas or feedback or anything like that. Um, You know, you can feel a little bit like you are talking into the void with podcasting, so it means a lot when I get to hear from you. 
You can learn more about me, learn more about the podcast at bornofwonder.com. But the topic of today's episode is going to be all about the Book of Kells. So the Book of Kells is a beautiful illuminated manuscript uh, created around 800 CE, contains the four Gospels of the Christian New Testament, and it's currently housed at Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland. They, uh, they will only display a few pages at any given time. I think they used to change it every day, have a new page every day, but now, uh, now they, they wait like a month or two. So it depends on when you go to visit what page you will see in person. Uh, The work is most famous, is the most famous of uh, the medieval illuminated manuscripts for the intricacy, detail, and just absolute majesty of the illustrations. I am going to put a link in the show notes. They have a fully digitized copy of the Book Book of Kells available online, so you can go through it yourself. You can zoom in and uh, look at all these amazing uh, Celtic knots that are interwoven into the letters and uh, and just these little details, little figures that are popping out on the, on the different letters on the side of the page. You can really see the personality of the illuminators coming out. Um, this is a beautiful book. It's a, it is a true work of art. Um, and so it's thought that the book was created as a showpiece for the altar, not really for daily use. Uh, because a lot more attention was given to the artwork than the text. In fact, um, so there's misspellings. Some of the uh, gospel passages are misquoted or unfinished. Uh, Most of the priests who would be using it already knew the the gospels by heart. They wouldn't really be reading from it. They would be um, using it as a evangelistic tool, um, as as a sign of beauty, uh, at, at sacramental services, at the mass and special occasions. Um, so like I said, the beauty of the lettering, uh, just absolutely stunning. Um, you'll see portraits of the evangelists with, with their different, uh, you know, motifs. You'll see, uh, you know, Matthew is represented as a man, Mark as a lion, Luke as a calf, and John as an eagle. So you'll see all of those in the book of Kells. Um, you'll also see a lot of intricate Celtic knotwork motifs, um, which, which has really been praised by writers throughout the centuries. Uh, and like I said, it's from about 800 CE thereabouts and uh, produced by the monks of St. Columba's Order of Iona, Scotland, but not exactly sure where it is made. That is, is disputed. Theories um, re- uh, range from that it was created in the, on the island of Ionia to Kells, Ireland, to even in somewhere in Britain. Uh, but it was at least m- mostly, uh, they think mostly it was created at Iona and then probably bar- brought to Kells to keep it safe from Viking raiders in about 795. And then it may have ended up after that in Britain. Uh, a Viking raid in 806 CE killed 68 monks at Iona and led to the survivors abandoning the abbey in favor of another and their order at Kells. And so it's likely at that point is when the Book of Kells traveled with them and probably was completed in Ireland. As a physical object, the book me- measures 13 by 10 inches. It's made of vellum pages uh, decorated in painted images, which are accompanied by Latin text uh, in various colors of ink. And vellum, you know, is animal skin. So uh, that's what it was made out of. 
includes, like I said, the complete Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and part of John that has been lost. They think that that um, that there was the full full Gospel of John, but that has been lost. It was originally bound by a cover of gold and jewels, um, but the manuscript was stolen from the Abbey in about 1007 CE, and uh, it seems like the gold, the ornate binding, was torn off by the thieves and everything, and possibly that's when the part of the Gospel of John was lost as well. They think that it was created by three separate anonymous scribes. Uh, Now they refer to them as Hand A, Hand B, and Hand C. Uh, It was really common for more than one scribe to work on a manuscript or even a single page of the book. Uh, You would proofread for each other for errors and, uh, and, and sort of do this layered style of illuminating. And these were monks that created this. Monks um, who worked on books were known as scriptors and worked in rooms called scriptoriums. Uh, And you you can picture this. This scriptorium was a long room lit only by the light from the windows with wooden chairs and writing tables. And a monk would sit hunched over these tables, angled upward to hold manuscript pages and complete the work over days and days and weeks and weeks. Candles, oil lamps were not allowed uh, to maintain the safety of the manuscripts. Obviously, fire was a serious concern back then. So you would only uh, work during the daylight hours when you could have the natural light coming through the windows. Uh, The monks were involved in every aspect of bookmaking from the cultivation of the animals whose skins they would would use for the pages, um, processing it into vellum, and then uh, going on and cutting it down to size. So, you know, I'm just fascinated by the physical process of making a book. If you've watched the, um, the newest Little Women adaptation, one of my favorite parts is at the end when they really take a long time to show how um, Joe's book, Little Women, is created. And uh, and it's just so satisfying to see sort of each page being being glued and, and the cover, the binding coming together and everything like that. I think we've lost a little bit of the satisfaction of physical objects and the artistry it would take to create them. So you think about before the age of mass production and everything like that, and certainly before, um, you know, the printing press, uh, what it would take to create a book. And books were so valuable. Um, if you had a book, you were considered quite a wealthy person. If you had more than one, you were, uh, you know, even even better off. And so these books were absolutely cherished. And, uh, and you know, most people couldn't read, right? So having an illuminated manuscript like this would draw people in. And it really, as I said before, was an evangelistic tool. I think now about, you know, reading to my toddler and she's looking, she's really into the pictures, of course, and, and into the sound of, of the, the rhythm of the words and everything like that. And, uh, I think that, I think that people back then, uh, probably for better in some ways were able to receive these things like children with this sort of awe and amazement, uh, you know, just taking in the beauty of the pictures, really being transported by the words. And you think at mass, they were talking in Latin, they couldn't even understand <laughs> what was going on. So you would have really, um, again, like a, a illuminated manuscript like this would be very transporting, it would help to bring these gospel stories to life. Uh, it would be it would be a amazingly beautiful, unique uh, 
symbol uh, to have to have in your church. So I love to hear about just the physical reality of this book. Um, the text was written first in black ink um, between the ruled lines by one monk and then would be given to the next to proofread. Second monk would then add titles in blue or red ink, um, mostly they think made from plants, and then pass the page onto the illuminator who would add images, color, uh, silver or gold. And uh, these monks would write with quill pens and boiled iron tree bark and nuts to make the black ink. And other ink chemicals were produced by grinding and boiling different natural chemicals in plants. Again, just so fascinating to think about the level of work it would take. Um, you know, now uh, we just take so much for granted, don't we? You know, I mean, in my printer, I just like order a cartridge of ink. <laughs> I don't think about where it comes from or 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 paint. So like where, if I'm painting a room in my house, you know, that the effort it would take to create that color. So when we look at a, a book like the Book of Kells, not only are we appreciating the beauty of it, but we're appreciating the artistry and uh, and what it took to create something like this. And I think that it can make us appreciate books. It can make us appreciate the gospels. It can make us appreciate art in a whole new way. Um, here's here's a, a nice quote I really liked uh, from Thomas Cahill. He, he was he he was a, he is a scholar who wrote about the development of literacy and bookmaking in Ireland. And he said, nothing brought out Irish playfulness more than the copying of the books themselves. They found the shapes of letters magical. Why, they asked themselves, did a bee look the way it did? Could it look some other way? Was there an essential bee-ness? The result of such why is the sky blue questions was a new kind of book, the Irish Codex, and one after another, Ireland began to produce the most spectacular, magical books the world had ever seen. The Book of Kells, of course, being one of them. So I, you know, you all know I love Celtic things and Irish history and things like that. So another reason to love the Book of Kells is um, that we get to see sort of the unique artistry of the of the Irish and uh, and and like he said, that unique playfulness. You know that. that uh, a letter would be an invitation to meditate on on what type of uh, art that, that that letter inspires. What does a bee make you think of? How can we draw little knots and figures into the two um, circle-shaped O's in a bee? And how does that look different than an M and everything like that? So I just, I think that's beautiful. Again, uh, you know, this is just a, a new way of seeing uh, when we, we all know to, we all learn to read at some point, right? So at some point, the, everything I'm looking at in my notes here and everything like that were just a blur of images. Uh, but in a way, maybe I was able to, to see sort of the personality of letters in a different way. I can remember that as a kid when you would type, when you would write out your letters. And I had definite like feelings about what an A was like or a C or something like that. And uh, but then you learn to read and you just sort of start taking these things for granted. So looking at the Book of Kells, we can start even rediscovering the magic of letters themselves. And um, just some one other unique thing I found really fascinating about the Book of Kells is some of the motifs that will come up again and again. And one of them is peacocks. Uh, peacocks are all over this book. So I think that's really, really interesting. Um, they function as symbols of Christ throughout the book. Uh, according to earlier accounts given by Isidore of Seville and Augustine in the City of God, the peacock's flesh does not putrefy. 
So the animal, animals therefore became associated with Christ via the resurrection. So isn't that fascinating? And it's so interesting if you know anything about, um, you know, the Catholic writer Flannery O'Connor, she kept peacocks and loved them. And I wonder, I can only assume that she knew, knew about this symbolism, but it just sort of adds a whole new thing about my understanding of Flannery O'Connor now and um, just, uh, just a, new, a new symbol uh, here, here in these beautiful illuminated Gospels in, in the Book of Kells. So the Book of Kells has long been associated with St. Columba. It was often uh, referred to as St. Columba's book uh, in contemporary texts at the time. But it really seems like the book was created quite a few years, about 100, 200 years after St. Columba died. So probably not, but very likely was created by the work, by the monks at, uh, at St. Columba's monastery. So there is some association with St. Columba there. If you don't know who St. Columba is, uh, he was one of, he's considered one of the like sort of three patron saints of Ireland along with St. Patrick and St. Bridget. So um, St. Saint, Columba also is quite famous in the, in the uh, Celtic Isles here for apparently um, dispelling the Loch Ness Monster. So that's pretty, pretty interesting. In the life of St. Columba, it, it was written that uh, he, was, he was on the, on the lake and there was a, a monster going after some people, had killed some people, and he sent one of his monks into the water to go get a boat from across the way. And of course, right then the monster came out of nowhere about to attack the monk and uh, St. Columba rebuked it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and told it to be gone and the the monster fled in terror so thank you Saint Columba uh, for ridding us of the Loch Ness monster So I hope this was a, uh, you know, just a fun little introduction to the Book of Kells. I really want to uh, encourage you to go look at it, to look at the digitized version. You can, of course, order prints and things like that. Um, I ordered just a little uh, sort of diptych uh, from Etsy uh, that has the two um, most famous images, one of the Virgin and Child, one of Christ. And it's beautiful. I love having it. Uh, I definitely would love to get some prints from it. Uh, I did I get a, a pretty decent you know not that big but um a book about the book of Kells that I will put a link in the show notes to it has a fair number of um of pictures in it with pointing out the different uh you know symbology and motifs and things like that it's where I learned about the peacocks uh so uh I did, did find that to be a helpful book um but yeah, I just wanted to introduce you all to this to this beautiful, beautiful work of art um, that is just, there are so many ways to look at it that I think inspire us, uh, inspire wonder and awe. So I, I hope that you will look into it some more. Of course, it's a really, you know, it's a visual object. So uh, there's only so much I can bring to life here on the podcast. So you will definitely have to go look it up for yourself. But um, just to conclude, I wanted to thank you all so much for following along with season three here. I can't believe that we uh, are already in season season three, that we'll have a, a whole new season, a season four coming up soon, um, just a couple weeks. I may also, um, you know, release a bonus episode or two 
in that time. So definitely stay subscribed. And, uh, and you can also sign up for my email newsletter on my website, where I will keep you up to date about any new episodes. So far, I have um, have things planned. I'm going to do something about Beatrix Potter. Uh, Jojo's very into bunnies and Peter Rabbit right now. And I loved Beatrix Potter as a child. My grandmother was obsessed with Beatrix Potter. And I have so many fond memories of all those woodland creatures and stories. So I'm going to do an episode all about who Beatrix Potter was and about her her famous stories. I have an interview scheduled with my friend uh, Gina, who, uh, who I met on Instagram. So uh, you can meet some cool people there. I know even though I'm off right now, but she is, she is a fellow Catholic convert. She's uh, lived all over Europe. She's a fascinating person. And she uh, read Harry Potter recently and had some really interesting insights about the Christian theology and Harry Potter. And I said, we need to talk about this. So um, we, we've been planning it for a while, and uh, we're going to get that interview done soon. So that will be coming up. Um, you know, I have I have a lot of other ideas. So, And I think maybe my friend Miriam and I are going to do a whole love fest episode about Lady Mary from Downton Abbey. I don't know if you've seen the new movie yet. I have not, um, but I hear it's good. I thought the first movie was terrible. So maybe we can get inspired by Lady Mary. I do have two blog posts about Lady Mary, which you can find at the website if you are also a fan uh, of Downton Abbey and Lady Mary. Um, So anyway, I think that, you know, there will be lots of fun things to come on season four. I'm, uh, you know, proud of of the episodes of this season. Uh, If you if you'd like to go back and listen to some some of my favorites, um, I did uh, love having just a Scottish chat with my friend Miriam. I loved talking to Benjamin Lipscomb about the four women philosophers at Oxford. Um, I loved uh, learning more about R.S. Thomas, poet and priest, um, revisiting some of my on fairy stories work and talking about Into the Land of Fairy and how what it's like to lose a hundred years in the land of fairy, um, the sacramental imagination. Uh, I got a lot of feedback about the catharsis of murder mysteries. Um, needless to say, I have been watching a lot of murder she wrote during this uh, chaotic, stressful time, sick time. So I love my murder mysteries. Um, I love talking to my husband about um, about Oxford. I, of course, love talking to Beth Jameson about Kristen Laverne's daughter. There's a lot to explore. And of course, you can go all the way back. This is episode 42. So um, there's a fair number of episodes for you to explore in this little interim time. But just sincerely, sincerely, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your feedback. Um, it means a lot to me to be able to do this podcast. It inspires me when I'm I'm not feeling inspired, you know, <laughs> that, that I always have to to find something to find wonder in and it 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 brings light to my life and I hope it does the same thing for you so if you have time to leave a review I so appreciate it on iTunes you can leave a star rating and a comment would be fantastic I love to read those and of course it's very important for the algorithm if you're listening on Spotify you can leave a star rating now so you can just uh, just do that really fast. Just leave a little star rating. Um, and really the most important thing you could do is really just share an episode you like with a friend. Um, podcasts really grow by recommendation. So that would just mean so much to me. I am going to end this podcast episode with some, uh, some, some 
classic guitar, some Bach on classic guitar. That has been something I've been listening to a lot lately. I have, um, I found a whole Spotify playlist of Bach on classical guitar. So I will, um, put that link in the show notes. I find, uh, you know, Bach in general, very, very, very regimented, very beautiful, you know, very calming. Uh, and, and, uh, so I really enjoy it. And then you add the, the classic, classic guitar. And I think it's, it's just beautiful. So I hope that you enjoy that and uh, and stay in touch. Happy Memorial Day. Happy start to summer. Uh, you know, you know, I love cold weather, but I am embracing uh, embracing the warmer weather. I, I hung a clothesline today. I dried our sheets out there and, um, you know, it's really, really nice to bring in like these sun soaked, wind swept sheets. They smell so good, so warm. And I think that I'm going to make it my mission to find lots of areas of wonder in the hot summer heat. So I got Jojo a little, you know, toddler water table thing. Thing to play with I, we're ready okay like I, I I can wear my sweaters inside in the AC so I could still have that coziness going on but we're gonna get out there we're gonna enjoy summertime so I hope you are enjoying the start to summer please feel free to get in t- touch with me bornofwonder.com and uh, thank you as always for listening I'm Katie Marquette and this is Born of Wonder
And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. 